0: It's Tracy, and I am back with another fun-filled episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups with my trusty super producer, Alex. How are you?
1: Truth, lies, and bedazzling is what we will be discussing today. Well, today is bedazzling,
0: and you need to bedazzle (laughs) some stuff, I can tell, because I am looking at your new office, which, while it is snappy, could use a little bit of flair.
1: It needs no flair. That's what I like about this office. It is flairless, which is much like me hairless.
0: Uh, well, see, see, oh, you did. You cut your hair. Well, no, I didn't
1: cut my hair. It's just falling out. On the oh, front. well, there's that. But, <laughs> That's okay. I'm so old. <laughs> let's talk
0: about this bedazzling situation because we have our guest today can help you with your bedazzlement.
1: Uh, it was first of all, I was not aware. First of all, what is bedazzling? Because I don't even know. I just thought that meant you were like putting attaching jewelry to your jeans or something.
0: It, well, it is. It is. It's. 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 It's putting a uh, fake uh, jewelry, fake diamonds, uh, like effectively hot glue gun, hot hot glue gunning a fake jewel somewhere.
1: Okay, so yeah. that's what a bedazzle is. That's so what a bedazzle. There, like some kit that you could give your, you know, your your tween. Yeah. And, and they would bedazzle all of their clothing, and so what? They're just hot glue going, hot gluing, yeah, jewels to it. Is that the idea? Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Okay. But see, I think. You should get some real jewels. Is what you should do, and and our guest today can help
1: you. And how would our guest today help me with my bedazzling and our jewels?
0: She is a jewel thief. She really? Has she has been? Yeah, she stole over half a million dollars in jewels. She's going to tell us all about it: how she did it, how she got caught, how she reformed herself, how she relapsed, and now is back on the path to helping others. In, her, in their own healing too.
1: The relapse is the most fascinating part of that because it's a behavioral pattern is what that yeah. sounds like.
0: Oh, she's gone deep on this and she's told me stuff. She told me off the record or when we were done that she told me stuff she's never told anyone before.
1: Okay. If it's off the record, you probably don't want to be saying it. I know. I just, I just, rec- I,
0: no, it's not off the record. It's, <laughs> it's after we hit, we re- have we hit
1: stop on the recording. Oh, okay. So it's not something that, all right. And what did she tell you that was off the record that you're not supposed to broadcast that you just mentioned again?
0: Nothing. That was Nothing. the wrong term.
1: Good. <laughs> That's what I wanted to get it right there. Nonetheless, okay.
0: I'm telling you, she would come, <laughs> I bet, and put bedazzlement right on all of those little drawer knobs that I'm looking at in your new office.
1: Oh, What is it with girls and drawer knobs? Mm,
0: I'm telling you. I swear,
1: it's like, it's just an obsession. Like, oh yeah, we've got to update these drawer pearls. We do. we got to do it. Yeah.
0: Why not be (laughs) them?
1: I mean, well, this is good. So this uh, for those of those that are listening, there is a a drawer unit behind me. I think this came from Restoration Hardware. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four. There
0: are a lot of drawers. There
1: are 48 drawers in here. Each Mm -hmm. one is roughly the size of a pad of paper and maybe three inches tall. So. It's beautiful for organizi- organizing purposes and mm-hmm. that you can spread things out all you want. The downside to this is that, Tracy, mm. anytime I'm looking for something in here, I have to open like 50 drawers to find it.
0: Well, see, if you bedazzled them, you could you could color code them. There's so many things you could do.
1: I could, or I could just put I could put uh, little pieces of uh, of tape on them and then nah. Sharpie what's nope. inside.
0: Nope, not allowed. That would
1: destroy the look.
0: It would. It would actually so, destroy the look. It would, but you know- um, but that's,
1: you know, that's man bedazzling right there is
0: no.
1: blue painter's tape and a Sharpie. No,
0: nope, there's no such thing <laughs> yeah. as man, man bedazzling, but Lisa, Lisa's going to help us with it. Lisa's okay. going to help us what it takes, how she did stuff, because she is sneaky and she was into a lot of other stuff besides jewel thievery.
1: When you steal half a million in jewels, mm-hmm. do you do it all at once or do you do it just piecemeal? Like every now and then you stumble across a jewel that you can grab
0: you know what she had a system she had a system for taking them she had a system for selling them okay and that's where she got caught it was in the sale hmm. yeah
1: so that makes sense
0: yeah so i think what we need to do is just go and talk to her
1: well i think that's a fantastic idea and i can see here on the video that you're rolling up the sleeves of your shirt like you want to get down to some business so yeah, let's get let's down do to some business
0: let's do it It's Tracy and I have, who I know is going to be an amazing guest with a story that I am so curious to find out about. I have Lisa Bischoff with me today. How are you? I am well. Thank you, Tracy. Oh, good. Okay. So we met at a National Speakers Association meeting here in Denver. You're a new speaker and um, and I'm a old speaker. <laughs> But that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I was so fascinated by your story because you you did a bunch of stuff wrong. But the thing that caught my attention is that you stole $600,000 in diamonds. And I have never been a jewel thief. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have you on my show. So uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Tracy. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff that went on and we're going to get into it, but tell me about, because I think my, my main question was $600,000 in diamonds. Like, and I, I, I think my first question was, is that like a handful or like what, how did all this go down? So take us into the story. What happened? All right. So do you want me to start like, um, I don't know, like
2: why I did it or just how I did it? I'll let you take it however you want. Cause we'll get to both of them. All right. So the crazy thing is, um, the, the diamonds were, were there, it was diamonds and jewelry that a client of mine. had. Okay. The whole thing came about probably, I want to say back in like 2015, when I first started working for this client. Okay. And what were you doing for them? I was their dog sitter and house sitter
0: house. Oh, okay. Okay. So, all right. Talk about that a little bit more. Like what, what went on? Well, so
2: when I initially started working for them, uh, they, we, we, I would go hiking and um, got to learn the routine of the dogs and everything. Mm-hmm. And on one of our hikes, it was made mention that there was $200,000 worth of jewelry and diamonds in the house. And Wait,
0: who were you hiking with that just let this slip? Like that's not... The client. I mean, the- so you were talking to the client, you're hiking along and they just say, oh, we have a couple hundred grand of diamonds in the house. Yes.
2: And right after that statement was made, the client caught themselves and said, Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And it was like, and then we both dismissed it and went on with the hike. And uh-huh. that was the last and only mention of it. Okay. So for many, many years, that was stuck in my head, but I thought I'll never act on that. That's not me. I'm not that person. Uh-huh. I had overcome that part of my life from an incident back in 2007, where I had had done some not so great
0: stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. But it's rattling around in your mind. And okay. But it says here in your bio, and I just have to say this, you found yourself a million dollars in debt. That was in 2007. Okay. And so we're going to get to that a little bit. So were you still in that debt? Had it gotten written off? Did you pay it back? What happened? That had
2: all been written off. And yes, I went bankrupt and my parents had stepped in and helped me um, after my 2007 episode. Um, Okay. I was in debt again in 2019, over $100,000 in debt. The um, kicker on that was the debt wasn't all in my name. It was partially the majority of it was in my parents' name and they did not know.
0: Oh, shit. Okay. So, all right. I'm going to beep that out. Okay. So now you're, okay. You're doing, okay. So now you're into identity theft, and, um, which, you know, happens, right? So I'm not going to judge you right or wrong on it. I just, I'm just curious about how all this comes about and like the thought processes in that. So, what, what were you doing with the money? Well,
2: um, so that debt had started accumulating, um, probably since, Oh gosh! Like 2016, I had, I had done this to my parents once before. So around 2010 through 2015, I racked up I think about eighty thousand dollars in debt. Talked to my parents, they said, "Oh my gosh!" They didn't want to press charges. They didn't want to see me get in trouble. They cleared up the debt, and I did it again. Um, basically, it's I can't. I haven't worked um, a regular job since 2007. My background's in electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and I lost my professional career. Uh, but I still had my, my habits, meaning um, it's not drugs or alcohol. It's um, I like expensive things. I like to play tennis. I like to travel. I like to keep up with my friends that are all multimillionaires. Oh,
0: okay. So, so, okay. Where'd you go on the trips?
2: Oh my God. I, well, a lot of it was Vegas tennis trips, Mm -hmm. uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the last big ones I did was a big music festival in Florida and Miami Uh Uh, is expensive trips.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're living the life, you're racking up the debt and then you find out that there's $200,000 in this house that you have the keys to. Okay. So what happened? Like you said, you kind of, it was in the back of your mind. You tried to let it go. Couldn't let it go. And the debts, the cash registers ringing, 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 ringing through. What happened? So,
2: um there were numerous times I looked for it when I would be there. Oh, you and,
0: did, oh, you snooped around,
2: yeah, okay, but okay. I, I could not find it to save my life, and I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. I, uh-huh. I just not meant to be and maybe it's not even here. Maybe they've locked it up since that uh, they had told me that maybe after they mentioned it, they uh-huh. decided to lock it up. Mm-hmm. So I looked, and then this was over years, a period of years I had been looking and mm-hmm. never found it and then, um, In 2019, as I started to get more and more desperate because I was getting behind on payments and I'm like, Mm -hmm. my parents are going to find out I'm going to be in big trouble. I don't know what to do. I happened to be house sitting for them one day and there they were right in front of me the whole time. They were sitting on a countertop in a jewelry
0: box. Just like right there. So you were looking like under beds and in the back of the closet and the whole, do you find anything else interesting? No. because uh-uh. no. I was only looking
2: for that stuff. I didn't even anything else. I mean, I would have been oblivious to but no, there wasn't anything of interest
0: that uh-huh. uh, I ever came across. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So, cause you know, we think about like burglars and we think about guys with masks and they have like pillowcases and they're like stuff and things like, how did it really go? how did it go down? So I waited, um, mm-hmm. and I would, Over a period of time, I I took pictures.
2: I I started looking at it to see the values, measuring stuff whenever I was there. Uh Uh, there There's tons of pictures I had of everything, trying to figure out values and um, didn't act on it, didn't act on it. It was because I didn't know how I was going to do it and how I would even, once I got them, what would I do? They're going to suspect me because I have access to the house. Yeah. So I waited until I had just gotten back from a trip, the music festival in Miami where I spent a lot of money. So at this point, I'm pretty desperate Uh to get back uh, the next day. Um I, I kind of had planned it out in my mind what I was going to do. And I just I went over there in the afternoon. Leading up to this, um, I had done a lot of research um, and learned their patterns by putting trackers on the cars. Um, just- Wait, you put a tracker on their car? On both of the cars.
0: Yeah. Okay, what what kind of? Because is was it one of those like Apple um, AirTag things? Because those don't really do what you think they're going to do. No, these were these were
2: magnetic trackers that you could put on the frame of the car, and so they last thirty to sixty days depending on how much usage. And I had an app um, that I could connect to them.
0: Dang, Lisa. Okay, okay. So so you're going all in on this thing. You're going all in. So you're tracking the cars. Okay, what else were you doing? That was pretty much it. Like um, just monitoring
2: that, and then I also had access. They I was very trusted by by this client, and uh-huh. um, I had access to the security system, so I could kind of see patterns of uh, when they would leave and go. So between the trackers on the car and knowing the routine of the house, uh-huh. I waited for an afternoon when it seemed like the owners were always going to be gone. Okay. And that's when I went in. I went in one afternoon, right after I got back from my Florida trip.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And um, I went in there with a the bag and my I went in there with a Faraday, not just any bag, a Faraday bag, because I wasn't sure if anything had trackers on it. And a Faraday bag will, drop, will, will block all communication. So is, is, all it, it, is
0: that one of those like bank bags? Is that what you're talking about? Kind of?
2: No, it's more like a, it's like a, a black bag. It's a, they're literally like a big backpack. They also make small pouches that I oh. use, uh, but it blocks all communication
0: signals. It's Faraday. Um, yeah. Blocks oh, everything oh Huh. okay. Okay. So, okay. So you get this bag, you go in, they don't think you're going to be there. Yeah. What happened?
2: Um, I loaded everything up in the bag mm-hmm. the dogs were home and the mm-hmm. dogs knew me. So there was mm-hmm. no motion or anything. I went in through a back door that mm-hmm. I technically didn't have a key to. So
0: it looked like somebody else had accessed the house. Wow. Okay. So then, okay. So you grab the stuff. Did you take the whole box or you just take the stuff in the box? I took the stuff out of the box. So
2: everything in the box looked like, well, unless you open the box, you would never have noticed it. Got
0: it. Okay. And then now how do you, because, because you've thought this through, like you're pretty smart. Like I've been around you a little bit, like you're, you're smart. So how how do you turn jewels into cash without raising suspicion? Like how did that go?
2: So I started contacting, um, yeah, because you can't go to a pawn shop because they, you know, they, you, they put all your information in there. Yeah. So I started researching um, using a, a broker up in Denver and said, hey, I inherited some stuff. Oh. I also provided um, a, a written will. It was a real will saying it was my grandmother's stuff. Uh-huh. And they were a little bit um, like this doesn't sound right, but I somehow talked my way through it. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they looked at it, and I started doing little pieces at a time, and bringing them up there. They would look at them. Some of the diamonds I cut out of the jewelry, oh. so they were loose diamonds. And I said, "Oh, these were ones that we were going to have set, so it didn't look suspicious." Uh huh. So I started taking them up there.
0: Uh huh. Wow, because because you're in Colorado Springs, so Denver, like it's a little bit of a trip. So, um, and did they give you cash or the did they do transfers or what did they do? It was a check, a check for for like a Wells Fargo check. So I can okay. go to Wells Fargo and directly cash it right away. Got it. Got it. Okay. So how long did it take you to turn all of it into cash?
2: So there was 600,000. I actually only, I want to say, I only did about 200,000 of it over, because I stole it in May uh-huh. and I was arrested in September. So it was about a four month span.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, okay. How, how did you end up getting arrested? Like what? Because it seems like it was the, like did the cameras at the house like what what went down no there was no cameras I was interviewed originally
2: um and they said no it wasn't it wasn't Lisa Lisa wouldn't do that nobody Uh knew my background they didn't know about my priors
0: Uh uh-huh so then
2: then what happened um so it was in August one of the last pieces of jewelry I took was a a bracelet and apparently it was a -a one-of-a-kind bracelet when the jeweler up in Denver purchased it he was contacted I guess they work with other jewelers to get pricing oh when they contacted and researched where it came from they said hey that's flagged we made that for this client uh-huh. that's stolen. and then that was where the whole thing came down it was oh yeah.
0: boy yeah. wow was it pretty
2: I mean what did it looked oh, like? beautiful yeah it was like a. I think it was a $40,000 bracelet
0: uh-huh wow okay so so you got arrested okay but let's we're going to go a little further back before, because we know, because I only talked to to criminals who've made it to the good side. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's just let everybody know that right now. We're going to get to that, but let's, let's go back further. Right. Because you're an electrical engineer. Now, where'd you go to college? University of Colorado. In oh, you Colorado went mm-hmm. in Colorado Springs. Okay. So UCCS. Okay. So you went down there and you're, you're uh, um, like you're kind of crushing it right you're now did you get a job out of college like what
2: yeah i had an internship um with the Colorado springs
0: utilities and, uh-huh. and they
2: hired me on as an engineer
0: uh-huh okay and then when did the crime start to kind of roll into your life because you said you've had expensive tastes. like what um t- like t- take take me through your mindset like i'm really curious about like like how you think about these things because like the justification is, is fascinating. Um, so like, take us through that, that period in in time, like what was going on? Um, so it looks like a lot of my
2: stuff started, um, probably early on in, in school, like oh. literally like in third or fourth grade is when I first started really cheating. I mean, like the first time I stole something that I recall is in kindergarten. Really? And- yeah, third or fourth grade, I started cheating. Like I cheated to get into Gifted and Talented because I did. I made it one year, and then the next year I didn't make it, and I was devastated. So I was determined to get in there, and I cheated the following year. Um,
0: well, right? okay, wait a minute. Because we we, I tried to get into the Gifted program, and I remember uh, I was like in third fourth grade. It was called Reach. It was down in, in Dallas. And that's a big deal because it's like you kind of feel like I missed it by one point. And I'm like, okay, I'm stupid. Like, and and here, here my friends went, and I'm like, I'm left in class with all the loser kids. Like, you know, sorry if I went to fourth grade with you, and you're listening, but however, <laughs> like it, it hurts a little bit. One point, come on, give me a break. So I get it, I get what's going on. So, so, but then you cheated on the on that test to to get. And uh, how did you cheat? I copied
2: off one of the other guys that was like super bright. Like oh. they, they gave us the exact same test. We were sitting right next to each other. So. Oh,
0: okay. So you um, got in?
2: I got in. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so fast forward, age fourteen. So uh-huh. uh, you know, I get um, so in fourth grade, I wrote my first software program. Um, by age fourteen, I was starting to learn how to fa- have hack phone lines, and my parents didn't know. Like really, I in my room playing on the computer, and my parents just thought it was great. I never got in trouble for anything. It just. Yeah, that's where it started. I'd win radio contests, um, and my parents thought it was neat that I was always winning.
0: Like, okay, things. I want I want to talk about this because <laughs> I used to love trying to call in, and you'd have to be like caller ninety seven. Yeah. And I actually won a couple times, right? But it was legit. I had my my little phone, and I would just dial, 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 dial. What are you doing to beat people like me who are sitting at home in their bedroom trying to just dial to get some Robert Plant tickets? Like what, <laughs> what, what? How do you do it? I I would use my modems
2: and speed dial in, and I had software that would help me just do that. So they'd answer and say caller two, and then it would go right back in, and I would just jump into the queues. And so didn't always win, but I won a lot.
0: Yeah, I won a couple times, but I we didn't have modems. That wasn't. I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're figuring this out. What's the best thing you want on the radio?
2: Um, I think it was a thousand dollars, and so my parents always had to claim the prizes because I was under eighteen.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my God! Okay, so all right, so you're figuring it out. You're figuring out like a life of crime is starting to pay. So what happened? Like, how, take us through it. What happened? So that. And um then in,
2: in college, so it progressed, right? Oh, yeah. so I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. And I, I started college at age fourteen. Uh mm-hmm. my, my mom enrolled in with me, but it wasn't my engineering classes. It was just like kind of basic um your general stuff. Wow. When I actually went into engineering college, it got really hard for me and mm-hmm. I struggled. I mm-hmm. um actually almost got kicked out um for plagiarism um uh, one year. Uh oh. Um they had a lot of grace for me and allowed me to stay in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still struggled. And um, I ended up getting a hold of a master key. So I ended up working for the dean's office at one point and um, tutoring students. So they kind of gave were me my You just
0: weaseling your way into all
2: these situations.
0: Okay, so keep, keep going, keep going. Okay. So I ended up working
2: um, for the dean's office. I had my own little office and it came with a key. Uh-huh. Now, this um, one day I was working on a project and I had to have access to the dean's office overnight to run copies and some other stuff. And they said, well, we'll just leave you this other key. And it was a do not duplicate key. But one of my other friends was like, oh, if you want to copy it, we can just take your key and modify it. So we took my key, filed it to match the master key, and it turned my key into a master key. Oh, of the, yeah. the I guess it had less grooves in it, right? So it could work in almost any of the locks. Okay. Okay. So first it started with stealing the solution manuals from the professor's offices. So I didn't struggle on the homework. And so I get the answer keys for that. Then that progressed into stealing my tests and getting uh-huh. computers and printing, and so I had one of the highest grades, and I probably destroyed the curve for a couple of years. I bet in there, but I graduated. I did very well and got my stuff. But um, yeah, so that so that was I never got caught doing that. And There was almost like a little bit of a high, you
0: know, when you would do that. And it was oh, there is it was, it was crazy. Well, um, let me bad. let me let me tell you what I did in college. Okay, so <laughs> so I went to see you up here in Boulder. And I took physics for dummies. And because I was in the business school and I was failing this class, I was failing. I was trying so hard, and the professor was just so obtuse. And like, I couldn't figure it out. Nobody else, barely anybody else could either. Right. But, um, so it's like it wasn't for dummies, it was for business students, whatever. Okay. So I am going to office hours right before the exam. And I'm sitting outside because office hours hadn't exactly started yet. They're about to start, but they hadn't started yet. And the assistant professor and the professor were in the professor's office. I'm sitting out in the hall and they are discussing the test. And they are going over in detail the questions for the test. And I'm sitting out there and I wrote them all down. Now, I, I wasn't trying to spy, but here I was. And they're in there, not three feet from me, three, four feet from me. And they're talking about the test. And I'm out in the hall waiting like a good kid to get in and talk to this professor about how, how I could do on this exam. And I wrote them all down and I worked them all out myself. And and I, and I went in, in, and I got an A and I, and I, and I, I passed the class only because of that. And, and I will admit to it. And we're just admitting to stuff here today. So, um, but I didn't, I did not have like a key that I went and looked and looked for. So it was very, it was more serendipitous and taking advantage of a situation as opposed to being like aggressively trying to find the answers. But okay. So what happened? Like you get out of college and did you have any debt at that point?
2: No, but then I pursued by like age 22 to buy my first. So I met, I met some not so great people. So first let me back up. So I start, start working out. I'm graduated, you know, start making really good money. Okay. And um, I meet a friend and this friend, it's just like, oh my gosh, I want to be her. Like she is very popular. She's got VIP to all the clubs. Like everybody just, just is enthralled with her. And I'm like, oh, okay. I want to be her friend because I want what she's got. Yeah. Yeah. So we become friends and uh, we start going out and we meet some not so great people. Some business guys that are crooks.
0: thanks Uh-huh
2: didn't really know that at the time, but they encouraged me to buy my first house. They're like, we're going to help you get your loan. We'll help you get everything. Mm. And so I was like, okay. Um, so I started shopping for a house. I find my dream house. It's like almost, I think it was close to half a million. It was probably like, yeah, it was, it was up there, uh-huh. but I'm not making enough money to avoid right. that. But they are like, we can help you. We'll help you figure it out. you will be able to make the payments. No worries. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I had seen them over time like mess people over, but I'm like, they wouldn't do that to me. I'm there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. No, they wouldn't do that to me. Yeah. What were they doing to people? Oh, well, well, I'll show you, I'll tell you what they did to me. So okay. they ended up helping me get the loan for this house. They worked the numbers and they rolled extra money and I took it out for themselves. That was not part of the percentages. Oh, really? Extra 30 grand. Uh-huh. I didn't find this out until months afterwards when a friend of mine was going through all the stuff and they said, where did all this money go? And I go, what are we talking about? And uh-huh. I go, those guys took it out. And when I approached them, they said, well, we helped you get your house. You're in your dream house. And that's,
0: that's, that's basically it. They're your house. We're not, we're not sorry. We're not doing you know, an that extra thing. 30 grand. You had, the uh, you you had on the mortgage. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Okay.
2: Okay. Worried and you know i always say as that famous phrase goes keep your friends close and your enemies closer mm-hmm. and so that's just what i did mm-hmm. and um lo and behold over time but so uh, probably within that year we're all on a trip somewhere and a new girl had kind of come into the equation um that they had befriended and um, she came in and she was an insurance agent um and she had gone through and said oh i'm gonna help you guys write a policy dah, dah, dah. so we're all on a business or not a business trip a vacation we come back, and, Somebody stole $30,000 in those gold coins, you know, Mm -hmm. the little dollar coins. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and they're suspecting this girl because she had just gone through and assessed everything in their house. Turns out she was a con artist, was not really, she poses as an insurance person that cases
0: houses. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that's um, sort of smart. Like, I mean, if you're going to disguise yourself, like do something smart. So, okay. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, so she took thirty thousand out of sixty thousand that they had, and they just had it sitting
2: in like uh in in bags and uh you know the rolled up coins. I can't remember how I think twenty five dollars in a roll. Uh Anyway, she took thirty thousand. There was still another thirty thousand. So in my mind, I hear that, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get my thirty thousand, you know, back because it's not even secured. It's just sitting there. Uh-huh. Well, they got smart and they went and bought one of those big browning gun safes. Oh, yeah, yeah. weighs like 500 pounds and uh-huh. stuck it in the basement. And I was like, well, these things aren't that smart, though. Like their code to get into their house is like straight down the middle because the one brother cannot remember it. It's two brothers that live in this house. <laughs> one does the appraisals. <laughs> one does the mortgages and the real estate stuff. Uh-huh. Anyways, I was like, I could not find that combination. So I end up um, contacting the safe manufacturer and said, hey, I bought this safe. I did find the serial number. I said, I bought this safe. I don't, the combination's not working. Da, 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 and they're like, well, we can't help you with that. Like you're, oh. we just can't help you. So I go over to where they bought the safe, which was one of the sporting goods stores. And I said, Hey, here's the deal. I got this. The combination doesn't work. They're like, well, you'll have to have a police officer come over to the house to verify you're the owner, all these things. I was like, well, that's not going to work either. Mm-hmm. But if I feel the safe and it's at my own house, I could do that. So I enlist the help of my trainer at the time because he's strong. And I was mm-hmm. like, help do this. And I said, "Hey." There's a safe that's got about $30,000 in it. I'll give you a cut if you can help me steal it.
0: Oh my gosh, you you did. Okay, wow. So So now it's conspiracy.
2: Okay. And I'm always dragging people into my messes. So we go over one day. I know the guys are out of town, they're on a trip. Mm -hmm. And so I go over there in my little SUV with a dolly and my trainer. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So we go into the basement of the house because I had access to the house because of the code. We go in there, we load up safe on the dolly and mind you it weighs a lot now because it's not just the safe but it's all those coins that are in. yeah yeah so we start rolling it out of a walkout basement and as we're rolling it it starts cracking tiles outside oh shoot well when we get outside we're like oh my gosh we have to get it up this hill and it's all grass like Uh it's just it starts the dolly starts sinking and i go oh my gosh this isn't gonna work so we put the safe back so i'm like okay well that that put
0: it back you didn't just leave it there no, we put it back in the house because I didn't
2: want anybody to know what had happened. So yeah. we put it back, and I was like, "I guess I'm gonna have to figure out a way to get in this safe." Uh-huh. So I start trying to think of another way to do this, and um, I learned that there's a term for it called social engineering. Yeah, yeah social engineering. Yeah, you bet. I call the safe company back, and uh-huh. I said, "Hey, purchase this safe. This the the combination you supplied this five digit or whatever it was." it doesn't work. You need to come pick up the safe because I don't want it. It's of no use to me. And they're like, well, hold on, man, before you do that, let me see what we can do. And I got the right person that backs me the combination to the safe.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about social engineering because there's a whole, have you been to DEF CON? Have you heard of DEF CON? Okay. So yeah. So there's a whole social engineering contest there, which you should enter um, (laughs) because it's all about Trying to get information from people who shouldn't give it to you, but getting them to do it. And there can be all, all sorts of uh, tasks. And what they do is they put uh, five people on a stage in soundproof boxes to see who can crack into the Home Depot mainframe uh the, the fastest like over the phone who can who can figure it out and they keep giving people all kinds of different excuses right and they're very smooth at it and i actually had one of the winners on the show on this show here and um i'll find that episode number for you <laughs> but he's amazing and that's exactly what he did so um you know, I, I don't know if I should congratulate you on this, but creativity, high five, boom. So, okay, so you get the code to the safe. What happens?
2: So I get the code and I go over, uh, again, the guys are, they, they're they gone a lot. So I go over there um, one evening and I back, that. this time I'm driving my little sports car, my little Honda Printed, I back it into their garage and I go down and the, the combination works. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, woo So oh. I go there, I start grabbing all the bags. And in there, because it's cloth bags with the rolls of the coins in them. So okay. I started to take them up to my car. And then there was some other coins in there that were some kind of specialty coin. So I took those two. I just took everything that was in the safe, closed the safe back up. My little car, it was like this when I drove it in, but after I loaded it, it was like this. Like right? a roll rider. Yeah. 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 And I only lived like five minutes from their house. So I drive it home and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I did it. I got my money back. So I want to say it was like Four months, four or five months before they ever opened that safe up and realized it was gone.
0: Wow. Okay. So ha- did they figure out it was you?
2: Yes. Cause something I learned is uh, what is and it's from that that show Pretty Little Liars, the theme song says, Two can keep a secret if one of them is dead and nobody died in this case. And I made the mistake of telling my best friend, that fun girl I told you about. Oh no. I told her about it. Now she helped me cash them in. Now we were going, cause I was going to go out of state and start cashing them in so that there was no trace of them. She's like, "No, oh, we could just do it here in town. So we started going to some of the banks and just taking a little bits at a time. Well, I did not know that one of the banks we were taking them to was a U.S. bank and she used to be a teller there. So when they started investigating, they were like, yeah, these, um, so-and-so brought all these coins in. And I was like, and that's what got us caught. So when they questioned her, she, and her and I weren't friends when this, when this whole, when they found mm-hmm. out that they were going to be a, split ways and um yeah so she gave them my name they couldn't actually prove I was the one that took them but I folded under pressure and they said well if you're willing to give back the other coins that were there and pay back the money the guys aren't gonna press charges and I was like oh my gosh like okay and I was like it was kind of weird that they weren't gonna press charges but they have were not on the up and up themselves with some of the other stuff they had done and it was like well so I talked to my parents and explained the situation and my parents bailed me out.
0: Uh-huh what Okay. So, and all the while you're taking the fancy trips.
2: Yeah. And the whole you know, thing? Mexico and doing fun stuff. Oh yeah. We were partying at that time. We did dabble. I mean like party stuff, you know, some of the drugs like cocaine, like every once in a while on the weekends and stuff. Uh-huh. We were doing that, yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So, so then, so your parents bailed you out, but then, and did that lead you into this, into the jewel thief time? So that was around 2003
2: when that happened. Okay. Um, so I worked like one of my companies I worked for, I took a database, the database of a lot of people here in the city, that uh-huh. probably had like half most of the city in this database with social security numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what I actually had. So in 2007, a million dollars in debt, trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of this. Um, and at that time I had a roommate who had, he, he was an accountant, but he would always talk about how he did insurance fraud and all these other things. Oh my gosh. He kind of planted that seed, like, Oh, well, then you don't actually get in trouble. Nobody gets hurt because the company's just, which is not true, but you know, the credit card companies or whoever, the insurance, they pay for it. Uh Not really stealing from anybody, just these big companies. Uh That was the lie I told myself. So it wasn't a big deal, but I was pursuing trying to steal credit from him because Uh he had a lot of credit. Um, And that wasn't what happened. I actually was on a business trip in Arizona for my company I then worked for, and I decided to... Go test drive a Porsche and got the idea I could buy this Porsche with somebody else's identity that I stole on another trip from one of the companies I was um, doing contract work for. So I go in and um, I go in to buy this Porsche, and they say, "Well, you can pick it up the next day." I think they were on that it was they were doing some checking. The next day I go back, and that night I was so sick because I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, any uh-huh. sense? So I go back the next day to the car dealership to just tell them no more at that, that I didn't want to go through with this. It was too late. The police were there. They arrested me. Oh, this was in Arizona. And when they arrested me, I had my backpacks, which had all my hard drives, which had the database for basically the city of Colorado Springs on it. Oh so my goodness. Arrested for actual identity theft in Arizona. Uh-huh. Um, my parents, um, I was there for two or three days by the time my parents, because they were out of state were able to bond me out, I guess, or get- Mm -hmm. get my bail. Um, And when I came back to Colorado Springs, on our way back, my parents were driving me back because I didn't have an ID because they confiscated my ID. And uh, we're driving back and I start getting phone calls from my friends. And they're like, what's going on with you? And I go, what are you talking about? Because nobody at this point knows I'm arrested, right? Well, no, they did because I was all over the news here in Colorado Springs Oh, and they were looking for information on me. And, um, and so I go, oh my gosh. So, you know, but I wasn't under arrest here. They just wanted information. So I get back, um, early in the morning and, um, a friend of mine meets me with my parents and they go take me to my house where I ended up getting rid of stuff that wasn't going to be helpful to me that I probably shouldn't have had mm-hmm. at my house. Um, I had a lot of guns cause I got into competitive shooting and I can't have, possession of any guns being out on bond Uh or bail. And so a friend of mine was like, I'll come take possession of that and get all your stuff for you. We're, um, he takes me to the DMV cause I need to get a driver's license. Uh-huh. The DMV is stalling me that day. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then finally they released me. We're going down powers boulevard. and All of a sudden there's a convoy behind us of police cars. They look like undercover cars, motorcycles, uh-huh. and just everybody. And this is in March of, um, I believe 2007. Uh-huh. And they pulled me over and I said, well, am I under arrest? They're like, no, we just want to talk to you. Uh, but Uh-oh. they took me to put him in the back of a squad car uh-huh he worked for a department of defense and had security clearances. Like he was just helping me out. He's a college friend that I've known forever. Uh I go, can you let my friend go? And they're like, if you are willing to come with us and answer questions and give us all the hard drives and computers that are in your car, we'll let him take your guns in your vehicle. You know, if you come talk to us, Oh, wow. um, They arrested me. And, um, originally they tried to set my, my bail there for $50,000 and my attorneys got it reduced down to 5,000. So I didn't actually even get booked in that night.
0: My parents were able to come down and get me out. Um,
2: now so- what are your parents
0: thinking at this point? Because I mean, they've been supporters, but uh, my parents at a certain point would be like, all right, you're on your own kid. Like has that, how, how is it then? How is it now? Let's talk about that. So They, I think they think I met the wrong people Uh in 2001
2: Uh and I just got in over my head and um, they were very gracious. I mean, even after my arrest in 2007, they um, supported me. They said, well, you can't get a job at that time. I I couldn't even volunteer because nobody would take me because of my, because of theft, theft of information. Uh Like nobody's going to let you volunteer as a thief. And it's like, okay, so what do I do? So my parents were like, well, we don't want you just to sit at home. So you can go play tennis. You can go try to start your life again. And uh-huh. hopefully eventually you'll get a job. Um, but that's my parents were just very supportive. So they helped me. Um, I went bankrupt. I got rid of all the debt that I had the million dollars and uh-huh. sold everything, got as much as I could done, and then just moved back in with them. And uh-huh. so we thought my life was on a good track. Um, and then, um, the debt started happening. Uh-huh. Um, they didn't know, nobody uh-huh. knew it was, I, basically I've, it's coming out now in counseling that I've been leading a double life for a very long time.
0: Mm. Wow. So are y'all all going to counseling together or is it just you or. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so is that like, have, have, have you all attributed the behavior to a certain belief system or a certain moment in time? Like, cause, cause it seems like it just kind of spiraled and spiraled and spiraled until it was like a tornado. So like, talk a little bit about that. Cause I think, I think insights from counseling are super interesting.
2: Yeah. So, um, so fast forward to so in between a lot of this, I went through psycho. I went to a psychotherapist and a clinical psychologist, and we thought everything was resolved. Like uh-huh. it was, like, oh, okay, we got to the root. I like shiny things. You know, it's not a drug problem. It's not. It's a things problem, which is uh-huh. even worse because there's things all over, and I yeah. see And I want it. Uh-huh. There's something in my brain that just was not real in reality with uh-huh. that. And it was that mentality, and it was my yearbook quote, my senior quote, that was "whatever it takes." And I didn't realize that was such a dangerous vow and thing that I've lived by. Oh wow! For a long time, because I can, and everybody always says, "Gosh, you can figure anything out." And I was like, "Yeah, you sure can." Um, but I have to do it for good, not, you know, for bad stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it just—it's it, something there was something. Yeah. It's, it was greediness. It was, I call it the monster of more, but it was greed and chasing things, trying to, um, trying to be, uh, to have the best of everything. Uh-huh. And um, you know, this last time after 2019, I did spend two weeks in jail. Um, I was facing a 12 year prison sentence. In right.
0: America. Let's talk about that. Okay. okay. So because you found, okay, you went to hang on, I have it here. You went to uh well, tell us where you went. And cause you went, you got referred to like a counseling Christian sort of situation. Like t- tell us all about that and about, cause you had some kind of miracles happen, I think both internally and externally. So let, let's get into that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the crazy thing was, um, from
2: 2012 to 2019, um, I did get to finally start volunteering and got on staff at a church in 2015. And I loved, I was in children's ministry. I loved working with kids and mm-hmm. teaching and directing, um, and so again, leading a double life, Twenty nineteen, nobody knew about the debt and what I was struggling with. I was trying mm-hmm. to do good over here, but then struggling over here and nobody mm-hmm. knew. So 2019, I get arrested. The, the pastor I worked for, um, his wife knew somebody and said, Hey, why don't you try this, this counts, this Christian counseling place. And, um, maybe they can help you. And I said, I'm willing to do anything. Like I'm Mm -hmm. willing to try anything. And so I go and oh my gosh, that was life-changing for me. So for a couple of years, I went in and um, did what's called inner healing and um, would sit there. And it was just like finding out, okay, what was happening in each of these incidents? What was the lie I believed about myself or the person or whatever it was? Mm -hmm. And what was the truth? So why did I do what I did? Yeah. You know, a lot of it was the lie of I wasn't good enough as my, as just me. Mm. And so in order to make myself good enough, I wanted the expensive cars. I wanted the tennis memberships. I wanted to be at the country club. I wanted to play golf. I wanted to impress people mm-hmm. to be accepted.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, so do you think that's the root of it then? Or yeah. was there other stuff? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Not good. Well, you know, here's the thing. That's a super common thing. Belief that people have, and it manifests in a lot of different ways. So, okay, so so you get there through the counseling program, and then like take us take us from that to like what's going on now. Okay,
2: so uh, so I was in counseling for uh, so 2019 to like 2022 20, uh-huh. or 21. Sorry, 2021, um, and some other you know did some other stuff in between there. Um, but then the there was an opportunity to volunteer at this ministry. And oh my gosh, like I was like, okay, this is my purpose. I want to go volunteer and I want to help people get the healing that I got because that's exciting. And that was a whole new level of healing. So I started volunteering for a year. And then after a year, um, they invited me to become on staff as a counselor, as a biblical counselor Oh wow! and work with people. And I got to be part of a deliverance team and that was life changing too. Cause it was just like, Oh my gosh, that I got to see God do miracles. And I got to see people set free, um, towards, um, you know, the last, um, few months I was there, uh, husbands were starting to come in and they go, whatever you did for my wife. Like, and I was like, it wasn't me, you know, right, uh, right. It, was, it was all Holy spirit and God that did that. But mm-hmm. they said, whatever it was, I want that too. I didn't believe in what you guys did. And people, couples started coming in and it was just, it was amazing um and aside from that so this was a so I'll, t- I'll kind of pivot to this story okay. so um last so february of 2022 mm-hmm. um i started going to a bible study and i was back at the church that um that i was on staff for and by the grace of god that that was all kept out of the media um, oh, because wow. it had nothing to do with my over you know what was going on over here mm-hmm. um but uh, anyway, so I'm in this Bible study, there's only four or five of us in this, this, this study. And there's usually like 20 or 30 people. Anyways, one of the ladies I'm sitting next to, we're doing intros and she goes, Oh, you're the Lisa. And I'm like, ah, oh, what is that? You know? And she's like the one that was on staff that, you know, and I'm like, I know, yeah, that's me. You know, uh-huh. so I, I was like, yeah, I made a mistake. And that was me. Uh-huh. So it's really nice to meet you. Well, over time, we kind of became friends through the Bible study. and we chit chat. Well, uh-huh. she called me last September, September 24th. She calls me that Saturday morning and uh-huh. she says, God told me to buy you a car today. And I'm what? like, because I'm still driving my car from like 1998. You know, uh-huh. like the engine light came on the week before she goes, God told me to buy you a car today. I was like, okay. Uh-huh. So we go and uh, we go look at this car and like, she goes. Oh, she goes, I don't know if that's the right car for you. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I've always had a four wheel drive car. And so she goes, well, we can go look at something else. I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to be picky. Like, I'm thankful for any car that's better than mine. You know, Uh Yeah, yeah. we go to a car dealership and on the way there, I tell her, I was like, my dream car, I really want a a GMC Yukon Denali because I want to be able to drive everybody and go to conferences and do all this stuff. Uh We get there and we look at all these other cars and she tells the salesperson, you know, do you have any GMCs? And she goes, yeah. And we go over to the Yukon. There's one, a GMC Yukon Denali. Uh-huh. She goes, we want to test drive it. This car, it's a 2015, but it's still like $40,000. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Like This is crazy. So she goes, okay, it's available. We can go test drive it. So we sit down and the, the salesperson says, uh, let me have your driver's license. So I give her my driver's license.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And she goes, oh, you won't be test driving or buying a car today. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, what did I do? Like I am on the up and up. I've Uh cleared stuff. My life isn't on a good track. She goes, your driver's license is expired. So I'm like, (laughs) okay. So, So my friend is like, well, I don't know what we should do. I was like, well, could my dad come test drive it and we'll put it, you know, my parents name and then they can transfer it after I get my driver's license renewed. And she goes, yeah, we can do that. So I call my dad and he's on speakerphone. And I was like, Hey dad, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm at a car dealership. Somebody wants to buy me a car. He goes, what? That doesn't sound right. Like mm-hmm. what's going on? What are you up to? And I'm like, no, oh, really? Somebody wants to buy me a car. He's like, I don't know. Let me, let me talk to your mom. And so he, he calls back and he goes, I'm coming down there. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay, great. So in the meantime, while he's coming down, my friend goes, well, let me go get a cashier's check. Um, Because if everything works out, I'm going to buy this car for you today. Uh-huh. So we got came down, met my friend, um, never. And he just says, why are you doing this? She goes, in 2019, when the pastor from the pulpit had made the announcement that one of our own fell from grace,
0: uh-huh.
2: um, my heart broke for your daughter. And I had told God that day that if I ever got an opportunity to meet her and do something for her, I wanted to do that. Uh-huh. This was her chance to do it, and so wow, that was that was huge. Like that never happens. Like that was like an Oprah thing. Like I just yeah, yeah. And so I still have the car. I drive it every day. I'm very huh. thankful for it, but little things like that have been happening. Like just amazing things uh-huh. um, have been happening since.
0: Huh. Wow. Okay. So you relapsed once at, at least. Okay. How are you feeling like about your potential for the future? Like in staying on the good road, like what do you have? You must think about that a lot. Oh, it is. And I, I mean, my friends, um,
2: you know, they're always like, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you ask for help? And it's, uh-huh. you know, now it's funny. My friends don't, they're like, uh, they don't invite me on trips because I. they know that I would wanna go, but they uh-huh. know that it's It's not a good thing. I'm not in a place right now. And so uh-huh. I made it very clear as like, we can all still be friends. I just can't live that lifestyle because I don't have the income to do it, but I'm happy to like go play tennis outside. I'm happy to go right, you know, do
0: stuff that's yeah. within my means. Uh-huh. So and, so you're more into like have you do you think you're good enough now? Like I work on it every day. I
2: I am in counseling. I am Uh seeing um, a new counselor and um, just because there's still, I still have questions, you know, as to where did it all come in? I'm writing my book. And as I've written my book, I see where stuff opened up. I see where everything happened over time, Uh but it looks like everything started when I was four years old. And that's what we're getting. I literally, this just happened to me Saturday morning and it Uh said, it's coming out that there was something traumatic that happened when, I, and I'm not blaming that. I mean, I made my own decisions as an adult, but something sure, sure. Happened when I was four and nobody knows what it was, my parents, they, you know, I was in a daycare uh-huh. and uh-huh. may have happened, um, uh-huh. been suppressed.
0: Yeah. Well, that can absolutely have, it, it doesn't come out. Cause you know, I, um, I, I was a therapist. I saw clients for about eight years, like before I really went full bore into speaking. So yeah. Uh, memories, they they can get repressed until your mind thinks that you have the tools and the maturity to deal with them. And so that's how they can like kind of pop up that way. So, it, it, but there, there's also false memories, I think. Um, it, but to say that, I think it doesn't matter if it happened or not. It matters the decisions that kind of got, got made as a result of that. Um, and um, that, that's what I think about that. So, I mean, your face and things. So that's great. Now, are you making money now? What are you doing? Not yet. So I was making money where I was getting where I was um, serving as a
2: counselor. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the ministry just wasn't pulling enough in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and they, There was some stuff happening. And so I felt like that door was being shut. Uh-huh. And just as that door shut, I got um, invited to work with a publishing company to get my book published. So that's, I'm working on that with the majority of my time going to speakers Academy. Uh-huh. To oh, you're in the Academy. Okay. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where, and then right when all that happened, my, my mom fell and broke her hip. And so she's been at home and we actually have to have hospice come in. So I've been helping my parents a lot. Mm. Um, so they're okay with me not working. Cause I'm here mm-hmm. um, helping them wow okay so what's your plan for the future my plan for the future is i would love to speak Mm -hmm. and uh, and teach people i loved what i learned about loved what i learned about inner healing Mm -hmm. and and, like (laughs) where i opened up doors and how that actually invited a lot of bad stuff in Mm -hmm. Uh, i worked with i taught i taught for the ministry of how to close those doors Mm -hmm. how to identify rejection where it came in just all the different areas and I would like to just do that more. Um, I've also been working with another individual of the, with the possibility of, I would love to go into the jails and the prisons yeah. and, and talk to the women. Because the two weeks I was in jail, I got to do ministry while I was there. Oh. And so even though jail is a bad place for the two weeks I was there, it was it was actually a gift for me to be there. I was content. I felt contentment and realized I don't need all this stuff that I'd been chasing my freedom is more important and being, you know what I mean? And Uh just not bondage to debt. Um, But yeah, getting to work with these ladies and and give them hope. Like um, I know that was, that was big for me. And that was just, it
0: was a privilege and an honor to get to do that. Uh Now we didn't touch on this, but you, you, I mean, we only touched on it real quick, but we didn't dive into it. Cause you were supposed to like, like you, you had started to find, uh, you know, God and things like that. And, You're supposed to have 12 years, but then it got down to just two weeks. How did all that come about? Yeah,
2: the media was very, there was even one of the newscasters uh, when it got reported on my sentencing uh, Mm -hmm. on the newscast that day um, and said, what? She only got 30 days. So my sentence was 30 days in jail or 30 days work release. And I told my family, I said, you know, what? I'm not going to have people drive me back and forth um, to do work release. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to go 30 days in jail and do my time. And uh-huh. when I got there um, within one, I think within a day, they told me, oh, you got you're, you're, you're only going to be here for two weeks.
0: Wow. So so do you think it was like a miracle that you got out of the 12 years somehow or like what do you yeah. attribute to that to? Um, I
2: attribute it to a support. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of friends that were going every one of my hearings. Uh-huh. And my sentencing. I think I had like thirty people at my sentencing, and I had three people that spoke on my behalf. And mm-hmm. the judge says, "I've never seen anything like this." He goes, "You have all this support," and he goes, "I feel like it was like, and it was like he, it was like <laughs> the grace of God fell on the judge because right before that he had sentenced somebody pretty harshly, and it was like, oh, we don't know how this is going to go. Oh, um, and I was ready for whatever. I said, okay, whatever it is, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. I accept my punishment. I did what I did, and I, I shouldn't have." Um, but yeah, it was, he just said, I had a lot of support. I had a lot of people writing letters. I had detectives. I have friends from all walks of life that wrote in to the judge and that made a big difference. I believe.
0: Wow. That is crazy. Okay. So we got to start to wrap this up here. So a couple things, um, what would your advice be to someone out there who, who listens to this? Like maybe they're going down a bad path or maybe, maybe they've had problems in the past. They're trying to overcome things. Like what would you say to people?
2: Um, My biggest mistake was that I never asked for help. And um, I was so ashamed of Mm -hmm. what I had gotten myself into that. I just let that torment me and bind me. Mm -hmm. And I say, ask for help. People out there care about you Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody's made mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's you got to buck up <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. i'm
2: very transparent now to where it's i i want to own everything i've done mm-hmm. and um you know if, if somebody can help me that's great you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm i'm willing to be vulnerable and, and accept help now mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's not hopeless you know there's nothing that is that hopeless you know it might seem really horrible to you but again there's people out there that are willing to help you and listen and help you navigate through and my biggest thing was um, you know, um,
0: getting closer to God. That was my
2: biggest thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that can offer, I mean, with, I think getting closer to God is not a passive thing. I think when people are very active about it, it can, it can really, really change, um, what's going on inside and beliefs and all sorts of stuff. So, so high five for taking that path. I mean, that's, it's, it's, you've been through a lot, but I also know that you're going to help a lot of people. So how can people get a hold of you? Oh, um,
2: I guess I don't know what would you suggest on Facebook? I don't know, do you
0: have like a website or anything? LinkedIn. It. It's under construction, um, LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Lisa Bischoff on LinkedIn. Got it. Okay. So, that's how they can get a hold of you. And um, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Truth Lies and Coverups. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.